Today is February 25th, 2016, and I'm Lynette Benton at the Belmont Story Project, interviewing Chris Lubitsch-Navratsky. Chris, I'd like to ask you a few questions about your background, your growing up years. What were your parents like? My parents were, um, I wouldn't say conservative, but they were uh, fairly easygoing, but they had their rules and regulations. Uh, Such as? Well, um, I think they were very conventional in their dress, which was a problem when I was growing up because I grew up not where, where they grew up, so our surroundings were different. They were used to different norms of dress, and as I was growing up, uh, things were changing rapidly. And yeah. This was in London, in England, and uh, of course, being in my teenage years, I wanted to be different from them, and uh, they didn't always approve. Can you <laughs> give us a couple of examples, or one example, of how what you wanted was different from what they wanted? Well, when I was growing up, the Italian fashion was in, in, in mode. Um, and that involved a certain cut of trousers. Uh, we used to wear shoes that were called winkle pickers because they came to a point. And th these derived from Italy. So this was quite foreign to them. And they were used to baggy trousers, old uh, sort of Claude Harper shoes, anything that didn't stand out. Uh, whereas I wanted to be different and I was growing up and I wanted to be at the height of fashion. So at the time I had a paper route and I would invest a good portion of that money into keeping up. Wow. Uh, but not excessively, but um, whatever I chose just didn't seem to... <laughs> uh, they Fit didn't with seem their to ideal. Like. Yes. Yep, it was yes. foreign. Okay, tell me how you got into your line of work. Well, that was a long story that goes, actually goes back to my um, high school days. When I was at the end of my high school, that was ostensibly preparing me for university. But where, I, where were you in high school? Oh, I was in high school in London, in England. And the school was named, uh, was called London Oratory. And I did not do well in my exams. And I was told by the head, you may as well forget about higher education. Uh, higher education in the sense of university in education, that I should choose something different. Well, this was quite a blow to me and my parents, who envisaged something quite different. So I had to essentially repeat my last two years of high school at a, at a college, and that got me my university qualifications, and off I went. I was able to go to college, graduate from there. Now, did you have a major in college? Uh, in Britain, we didn't have majors. This was a big difference between the U.S. system and the U.K. But I, I, I had a major in the sense that I graduated in a particular discipline. It happened to be physiology, mammalian physiology, um, a subset of a subset of biology, <laughs> if you like. Um, and that led me to graduate school and then eventually finishing graduate school and coming to this country for my first job. And that's how I got going. What lessons would you say your life work has taught you over the years? Uh, my, I think the biggest lesson is flexibility. You cannot be rigid in what you do in your work. Uh, 
um, in the sense that if something does not work out, in the field of academic research, if something is not working out, then you have to modify it because whoever's funding your work will look at your negative results and they won't continue funding. This is a hard lesson to learn, but one learns it fairly quickly. So you have to be flexible. Um, and I think flexibility is really the key to not just academic work, but any kind of work or whatever you do in life. Um, it's, it, it's proved to be the case for me anyway. Yes, yes. Um, okay. Was, would you say that there was a teacher or a group of teachers or any mentor who had a particularly strong influence on you, strong positive influence or even a negative influence? I did. I, um, when I had to, when I left high school without any kind of qualification for university, I went to um, an institute called the Acton Technical College, mm -hmm. and I took physics as one of my, my subjects. And generally, you have to have mathematics for yes. to get through that exam. True. And I didn't have the mathematics background. And there was one teacher there who was extremely good because he could explain the physics without heavily depending on math. Wow. Um, and that really, I, I thought that was really quite something because I was not alone. There were a whole lot of people in my situation. Uh, the result was that we all got through this physics with minimal mathematics, and uh, it was it was a terrific, I think, a, a, a terrific accomplishment for him to have mastered a way of doing things right. that people like me yeah. <laughs> could could use anyway. And you remember him and the experience all these years later. Yes, uh, there was a second teacher, and this was in in university, who taught a new course, and I was the first class of that new course, Dr. Mackenzie. And Dr. Mackenzie was an inspirational teacher who loved his subject, which was developmental biology, and who inspired me, at least, to think about this as a, as a, as a, as a line of work in the future. I'd, it didn't work out that way, but um, he was an exceptional, exceptional mm -hmm. figure. He, so what was your line of work for most of your career? Uh, it, it, comes into, um, it comes under the umbrella of endocrinology and specifically mm. to reproduction. Um, in this country, uh, Dr. Chang, Dr. Pincus, and I can't remember the third name, but they were the people who developed the, um, the contraceptive pill that is used by women to this day. So the three of them developed that. Um, mine was on the on the ma on the male side. So essentially, my my research was geared towards trying to find a contraceptive that men could use, not necessarily chemical, uh, but it was leaning that way. By the time I finished, um, it was leaning towards a reversible way of uh, controlling fertility in men. Wow. Now this proved to be a much more difficult topic than. Uh, than with women because the, the the side effects, the complications were, 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 were terrible with, in men. Whatever you did, it, it, the agents you used were either carcinogenic or they had some wow. kind of side effect which was, which was very undesirable. So the pharmaceutical companies were loath to fund that kind of research. Um, so, that's, so I was on, on, on the male side. Uh, I... I happily spent six years working in, in the laboratory of Dr. Chang, one of the 
co-developers of the female contraceptive pill. Um, He was a fascinating figure, and uh, I loved him as a mentor. Good. Terrific. Okay, can you tell us a little about your ethnic background? My ethnic background is essentially Eastern European. Uh, To pinpoint... To pinpoint that, it's, it's, it really goes, uh, it becomes a Polish background. My mother was Polish through and through, as far as I can tell. My father was Polish, but he had also Italian blood in him. Uh, and then that came down um, from what he told me. And, but it was a minor thing. I think it came from his mother, from, on his mother's side. Um, but. My father himself grew up in Russia. He didn't grow up in Poland. He was born in Russia. This was around 1900. Um, he spent his youth in Russia until about 1917, and after the revolution broke out in Russia, he and his parents had to quickly get out, and they went back to Poland. Um, now, his parents were not from Poland, as far as I can tell. My grandfather was from Russia initially. Whether he spent time in Poland, I have no idea. My grandmother was born in Lithuania, mm-hmm. uh, but there's not much to tell whether she stayed there during her youth or whether she grew up in Poland. Yes. So they both could have grown up outside of Poland, right. moved so to Russia. You're certainly Eastern European yes. <laughs> with a little bit of Italian. A bit of Italian, yes. Um, but there's a little bit more. On my mother's side, there's possibly a Swedish influence. Oh. And, the, and this is interesting because the Swedes, as a nation, invaded Poland in the 1600s, and they overran Poland. They were re- eventually wow. tossed out by the Poles wow. themselves. Now, at some point or other, there must have been an intermarriage, or maybe one of my mother's ancestors moved mm-hmm. to Sweden and then came back to Poland. I have no idea. But um, DNA analysis shows a a Scandinavian background and possibly Swedish. Wow. So So I assume this is something you're researching. Yes, yes. And writing about? I'm writing about my research to do with where my parents came from, how their lives were affected by the Second World War, uh, how they ended up in Britain, how I, and that's where I was born, of course, um, and you spent some time in Ireland also, didn't you? Uh, well, in Argentina. Um, okay. th- this, was, um, this was after spending six years in the U.S. I had to move to right. Argentina um, okay. in order to pursue my immigration Okay, status. so you answered my next question, which is where is your mom's family from and where is your father's family from? So I'm going to move on to a different one. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about some of the biggest obstacles you've faced in the course of your life, uh, especially those you've managed to overcome. Yes, the, I think the first biggest obstacle was um, not not getting to the United States in in the sense that um, I suppose an obstacle was finding, a, finding work, and I was offered a position, so I arrived here. And year after year, we renewed our visa until the time came when the U.S. government said essentially that if you were pursuing immigration status you had to leave the country so this was essentially at the end of six years of of having worked here so I had to within six months move 
with my family elsewhere. Uh, I could go back to England if I if I wanted to, but I, at the time there were a number of reasons we didn't want to go back to England or Scotland. And when you say your family, you mean your wife at the time That's and right. your, your own children. That's right. Yes. We already had we had two children. So you had to get your children unsettled, basically. Yes. And <laughs> resettled someplace again. Uh, that's that's what it amounted to, and um, it was a, quite an upheaval, as you can imagine. Um, luckily, I was able to um, obtain a Ford Foundation scholarship together with uh, the person who was in charge of a lab, a research lab in Buenos Aires, in Argentina, <clears throat> and together we 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 engineered this grant, essentially that funded my way for two or three years in Argentina. Uh, so that was that was a big obstacle to overcome, and luckily we overcame it. It was a delightful experience because we experienced a different culture, yeah. different people, a different attitude to life compared to the US or to Britain. It was just a totally different experience. But um, so the, the obstacle actually turned out <laughs> to be a boon yes. uh, yeah. in the end. So what would you say is one of your greatest accomplishments in life? And you can, you can mention three or five. Um, I suppose the first one would be just to see that my children have grown up to be uh, essentially trouble-free. Uh, they would have made no complications. They haven't caused me, apart from minor upsets, which are quite normal. Uh, they have n none of them have have gone in a direction that I would not choose for them. They've all turned out very well. They're they're all gainfully employed, uh, and it looks as though that and they'll stay that way for yes. quite a while. So yeah, it's having that peace of mind, I suppose, that uh, you need when you're <laughs> when you're a senior. Yeah. Uh, you don't want jolts and such. Um, so that, that that's that's on a personal um, level. Um, I'm happily married, and I have learned a lot from from having been married to two different per people. Um, and I made sure that I did not repeat the same repeat the mistakes from my first marriage in my second, and I learned an extremely uh, a huge amount from my second wife. Uh, and we're still learning from each other, I suppose. So that's that's a, a, a degree of satisfaction, and I think a lot of people say, "Well, marriage takes a lot of work," and I think that's that's pretty accurate. You and you you can never rest back on on your laurels because <laughs> if you do, <laughs> the carpet is soon pulled pulled away from underneath yes. you. <laughs> What's that British expression? It'll go balls up. Is that, is that the <laughs> that's expression. <right. laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And how about a third accomplishment? Um, I think on the on the side of education, because when I was told that uh, I didn't have a hope of succeeding in in higher education, I had to essentially reinvent myself at a tender age and keep going. And um, I achieved what I wanted to. Unfortunately, it didn't lead to an academic career throughout my life. So I. I had to, in fact, reinvent myself two or three times yes. um, because 
to be successful in, in, in academia, you have to be able to raise money to fund your research. And the circumstances were such that, I, that they were never right in my... Yes. But I, I benefited from having three different careers. And my second one was in computer science. Um, and that paid off because by the time uh, my, my last child was born, I have four children. Uh, it, the, the, the computer era was, uh, was upon us. And right. if I had not had that computer experience through work, um, I would not have been able to impart my knowledge of computers in her direction, and, yes. she, and she benefited from that. Wow. She got a sort of flying start, because I, I came in to the computer industry more or less at the time, in the mid-'80s, when personal computers were Just being developed. Just yeah, yeah. yeah. um, My third career was, um, after having been laid off from, from my work in computers, um, I thought, well, why not try uh, library science, li library and information science, because I had ended up as a technical writer in, in the computer world, uh, which is really conveying information from, Absolutely. from developers to users. And I thought, well, information science is much the same type of philosophy. Um, my regret, I suppose, is... I wish I had got into it earlier. I should have been a librarian yes. <laughs> decades before yes. that. But the time I had in library science, which was roughly 10 years, was probably the best in terms of work. So how did you sell yourself from the computer career into a job in library science? Well, essentially it was marketing myself on the, with the idea that I was, um, that in library science, well, f first of all, I had to get the degree. You had to go to graduate school. And Where so did on. you but go? I went to Simmons College, which is the... <laughs> oh, I'm glad to hear that. I thought I worked yes. there for a long time. So Simmons College was my, my, my start, as Great. it were. And um, I graduated from there in roughly the year 2000 and then spent the next 10 years working as a librarian at Harvard University. Great. Moving from library to library, uh, thoroughly enjoying every moment of it. Um, but coming back to your question, essentially it was it was the conveying of information because whatever I did in in library work, no, no matter where I worked and which which branch of library science, it all had to do with conveying information. Whether you were developing digital media to uh, convert p information that was on paper into a digital form, or whether you were trying to work as an archivist, there you were just making sure that that information didn't die, but it was perpetuated, exactly. and that future researchers could lay their hands on papers that would ha that are deemed to be of permanent value. So Excellent. it always comes down to conveying information. Exactly. And I it's a fabulous skill. <laughs> exactly. Fabulous skill. I'm, I'm glad to hear that you went to yeah, Simmons. Yeah, I'll tell you all about it later. <laughs> so is there anything you would like to tell us to wrap up? Because I think we're allowed to decide when we're done. Oh, okay. Well, I suppose the, the lessons learned. Um, one is be, be flexible. Um, persevere. Never give up. I mean, these sound like cliches, but um, they... They, s they summarize what my time on this earth has been about. Uh, um, don't let 
don't let obstacles get in your way. There's, there's always a way of getting over that obstacle. Think of it as a boulder. A boulder is, is in your way, but there's always a way of getting either around it or over it, and then you move on. It's just a... Exactly. So be honest. Um, I found that um, on with the few times that I've tried to be dishonest, it's never worked. Yeah. And I quickly <laughs> gave up on that one. Uh, work hard that was an, a lesson my whenever i parted company with my with my second father-in-law he always said be good work hard and it never varied and i, th I thought oh maybe there's something in that and i've come to realize mm -hmm. that he, that he had the same philosophy so. yeah. do you think your parents were proud of you that you actually did land on your feet i think they they were but they never really showed it um which was maybe a disappointment. Yes. Uh, yes. It was, I think, my mother was, was, was the materialist in the family. My father was the academic. Um, with him, he was happy that I had eventually got over my educational obstacle. Right. My mother saw my future as a, not, a, not, not as a tycoon, but as a, someone who made pots of money ah. and the, that was a divide between them and I never I often wondered how on earth did they did they get over this yes, yes. <laughs> um, but uh, so my mother my, my my father was happy he had his reservations he didn't want me going down to Argentina he thought the land was just uh, full of savages and he mm. just had ev everything wrong from, from from what he heard, from what he had learned, he didn't think it was the place to go. It was it was an unstable country, an, uns, an unstable economy, and that was enough to put him off. And he thought, heavens, my son and <laughs> his family are going down there. What could be worse? Um, now, my mother, um, she didn't really pay attention to any any politics or economics. She didn't, it didn't really matter to her. What mattered to her was to be uh, successful materially right. in life and right. I think that was not necessarily her fault I think she had a pretty hard upbringing uh, mm. she was from not an impoverished background but they were not well off it yes. was a big family at least four or five children in the family and she was growing up at the turn of the well in the in the say early 20th century onwards and that was a difficult time in Poland mm. I they think we should stop now okay. excuse me